Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R. R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. Today's guest has been featured in US News, CNN Money, and Bankrate.com. He's a leading cash flow expert for real estate investors, and he, is, he has been independent or financially independent twice by the time he was age 39. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Toby? I'm fine. Thank you so much. So um, I'm really excited to learn so much from you today about being you know, financially independent. But before we, we jump into the topic, um, I would love you to tell us about yourself and what have you experienced in life thus far up to this moment? Yeah. Well, I, I, I grew up in, on the western half of the United States in Oregon. You know, I grew up out there. And then in my 20s, I moved out to Utah. Uh, primarily, little known fact about me is, is I, was, I was actually one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers. And uh, so I went out to Utah and, and they had the, one of the best, the world's best dance teams. And so we were the world championship team. And you know, they even competed in Blackpool, England and everything and won the championships there. And so I came out to Utah and then, you know, got married and had a bunch of kids. Um, now I'm remarried with a new wife and we have a blended family of eight children. So it's like the Brady Bunch in our house, <laughs> but there's no room for a cleaner. You know, we've all got all the rooms filled, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I started out my path like the traditional path, right? Like I was going to go to I was going to college and everything. Um, I was a sociology major with a triple minor in psychology, ballroom dancing, and Japanese, you mm. know, because I also lived a couple of years in Japan, right? So mm. uh, anyways, uh, so I kind of did a lot of everything, you know, I was good at a lot of things, but not really a specialist, so to speak. Mm. And as I was going through that path, my whole intention was to become a business consultant, right? To help go into big corporations, tell them how they're treating their employees badly, and then walk out with a check, right? Mm. Well, you know, I thought, well, if I'm going to do business consulting, shouldn't I have real life business experience, you know, not just book, you know, book experience from, from college. Mm -hmm. So I dropped out of college with one class to go before my bachelor's and, um, and I went the entrepreneur path. Well, that path took me down becoming like the, the traditional, like main, mainstream financial advisor, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where it was commission only, you know, there was no salary or anything. It was just all off commissions. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that and, and the entrepreneur bug bit me. Like I really loved it because the whole time I really just wanted control of my time, my, my money, my freedom, like my, my own destiny, you know? So I took the entrepreneur path because I wanted that freedom. Well, you know, I ended up staying dropped out of college, never went back, you know, never got my degree because I thought, man, with a sociology degree, that won't make me nearly as much as I can make as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I went down that path. Well, I did that for about four years as a financial advisor, right? Teach people to do all the traditional stuff of save everything, spend nothing, save it forever in some mutual funds and stocks and things like that. And then hopefully someday you might have something, right? Yes. Well, I found out like I, I like evidence. Like I like things to, to prove themselves. 
And I found out that over the years, as I started to see people that had advisors for decades, right, and had been saving and doing everything they're supposed to be doing, you know, pay off their debt, you know, all the Dave Ramsey type stuff here in the United States, Dave Ramsey all about paying off debt, right? You know, so, you know, we did that, you know, I was teaching all that stuff. And I realized, wait a minute, people aren't really becoming financially free, you know, or they're not getting the numbers they thought they would. Mm-hmm. And so I started to really dig deeper. And but the thing is, it was hard, because when your paycheck is tied to something, yes. you, you kind of create your own narrative, right? You want the narrative to support what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, it was a, a friend of mine who had, had actually trained in the business that left to go do real estate investing. And this is the end of 2005. And he said, you know, I call him up to wish him Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah. And, uh, and as I did that, I, I said, well, how are you doing? You know, thinking like, okay, he's probably going broke. He needs to come back, you know, come begging back for work with me again, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case. He uh, said, man, life is awesome. He's like, my dad and I partnered up on some real estate deals. He's now making double the income he's made as a professor. Mm-hmm. I said, wait a minute. He just, you just started working together four months ago. How is he doubling his income? That sounds too good to be true, right? Mm-hmm. As, uh, as many people will say. He's like, nope, we're doing it. And, and so we got in this debate about what's better, stocks or real estate? which obviously I lost, right? Because he stopped me. He said, Chris, what principles are you teaching your clients? Like what real true principles do you teach them? I'm like, well, what do you mean by principles? He's like, that's the first problem. There's principles of prosperity. He's like, two, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? Hmm. I thought, and I said, well, none. Because even the retired ones still watch the news and worry if the market's going to go down, right? Mm-hmm. He says, well, great. Good job, Chris. Way to, way to help them not get freedom. All right. He's like, last question, Chris. How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but selling this stuff, but actually doing the investments, taking your own advice? Hmm. And I thought about it. And I said, well, maybe one guy is, is financially free. Mm-hmm. And I found out later he wasn't either. I mean, once he got fired from the company, he was scrambling finding work. He was just all facade, right? He, he looked successful, but he wasn't. He didn't really have the money coming in. He said, well, there's your problem, Chris. I said, well, tell me the answer. He's like, I'm not going to tell you the answer. I said, well, come on, please tell me the answer. You got me to admit I'm wrong. I'm open. Tell me. He's like, well, I don't believe you are open, but if you are, go get this book by Robert Kiyosaki, who's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but get the book called Who Took My Money? which says why mutual funds are bad. There, there you go. That's the summary of the whole book, right? Why mutual funds won't get you free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing you do is, is listen to this, this radio show. This is before podcasts, right? So listen to this you know, radio show where these two investors talk about real estate investing and principles of wealth and prosperity. Mm-hmm. Listen to that show. Mm-hmm. And so from January through March, those two months, I'm eating it all up. I stopped going to all the trainings and all the stuff that the financial advisors are teaching, and I'm learning from these guys instead. Mm-hmm. Ironically, my business as a financial advisor started going up by not taking the advice, the traditional advice. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point where I realized I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't stay in integrity and be that traditional financial advisor because mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing worse than when your value system is being violated, right? Like If you've ever taken a job or you've done a business where you know that it's, it's violating every value in your core. Mm-hmm. You can't do that, right? So yes. we got to the point where finally, like about the end of March, I said, all right, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep teaching this stuff that I know is not true, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, and, the, and you know, the whole investment, you know, the financial advising world doesn't support doing something outside the norm. Mm-hmm. So I left. I said, I will never teach about money again. I'm done. I will just be a mortgage broker and I'll teach ballroom dancing at that local university, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Well, uh, you know, flash forward, of course, a month and I'm, I'm going crazy because I got to know what these guys know. So I started learning from them. Right. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me, by about July of that same year, so about three months or so later, I was able to get myself out of the rat race with, without having a lot of money in the bank account. I didn't have to have a lot of money saved up, but they were really good at teaching those principles that said, hey, how do we create passive streams or residual streams of income, whether it be in your business or even outside of your business, like doing real estate investing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I only needed 3,500 a month to get out of the rat race back in those days. Yeah. And, and by July I was doing it. I was like, wow, I'm only, I'm only working a couple hours a week. You know, I was living the Tim Ferriss four hour work week. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was accidental. Wow, <laughs> you wow. know, I didn't expect it to happen, but it did. Yeah. And I was only 28 years old. So I was kind of young and dumb, right? You know, just, you know, thinking I knew everything, but, you know, after I got successful, then my pride came in. And that's why about a year and a half or so later, you know, the recession hits and then mm-hmm. I'm back in the rat race again, you know, and that's, I had to dig myself back out. In 2016, I was able to dig out of a million dollar debt hole. I went from basically a millionaire to an upside down millionaire, right? Where I was over a million in debt. Yeah. And I had to dig out of it. You know, I didn't file for bankruptcy, but I did have to n- white knuckle everything, you know, and try to get over my mind and, and all this, the f- feelings of failure and discouragement and all that stuff to eventually, you know, about seven years later, um, seven to eight years later, I guess it was that whole process of getting back on top to where I could say, now I'm financially independent at 39 as, as of 2016, I'm 43 now. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've done it. Good. Like that. I'm much wiser and smarter this time around. And so I'm basically semi-retired now. I'm teaching people how to get out of the rat race, teach people how to become financially free where they work because they want to, not because they have to. Like it's so empowering when you know that you work um, by choice Mm. rather than needing the paycheck. You know, it's such an empowering thing. And the ironic thing is the less you need money, the more money that tends to come in. It's Mm. this weird principle of the universe that happens like that abundance mindset, right. And that abundance state of being where, you know, when you create more, more wants to come, it's like creating babies, you know? So, which uh, unfortunately I know too much about very fortunately, I'm very blessed to have so many kids, but you know, I know, I know how to make kids and, uh, and I've eventually figured out how to make money too. I find that really awesome because, um, why preparing for this, um, conversation, I was listening to, I was watching a video and there was, it was saying like, um, you don't, um, it's either two things, either you chase money or money chases you. And then you don't want to, you have to choose which one you want. Do you want to be chasing the money or you want the money to chase you? And you made mention of that right now that you want to, you don't want to be, chase the money, but you want the money to chase you. Like you want to make the money, basically. It's especially if you're a business owner, like if you're in business or you're trying to start a side hustle or something to get, get yourself free, mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is be desperate, mm-hmm. right? The worst thing you do is be in a place where you're financially broke. And trust me, I've been there. Like, you know, when I was over a million dollars in debt, mm-hmm. what eventually got me to be over a million dollars in debt is, is, you know, with, you know, what happened is I, I came out of retirement to launch a new business with a partner, right? So expenses increased because we we're starting a new business. Um, I just bought a new house before then. Mm-hmm. So some of my personal expenses increased. And at the same time, like all those expenses are going up, but the income was dropping because uh, one of the partners said, hey, you know what, I want you to focus here with us, mm-hmm. you know, don't go do these multiple streams of income, mm-hmm. which by the way, that's what we're telling people to do to, to be in, again, and be in integrity, right? Mm-hmm. He says, cut off those multiple streams of income and just focus with us. Mm-hmm. Bad mistake. You know, I should have never cut off those multiple streams of income because that, then I only had one stream of income coming in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, if our business wasn't profitable, mm-hmm. then we're paying money out of pocket versus getting paid money, money right? Yes, we're in the yes. hole. So that's where I ended up being the hole about 
you know, I was making maybe 6,000 a month, mm-hmm. but my expenses between my personal and my business mm-hmm. were 22,000 a month. Mm-hmm. So I was in the hole $16,000 every month. Mm-hmm. You know, that was short. Uh, talk about a head trip, right? Because at first I thought there's always a solution. And then eventually got to the point of, is there a solution? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I did to some level, I knew there was faith I would get out of it, mm-hmm. but I knew it was tough. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you the hardest time to make money is when you have to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have to make money, um, you send off this energy out, out to everybody. Right. And, and they don't, they don't know it. Most people are very unaware of, of how, the, how things affect them. Yeah, yeah. But when you send an energy of desperation, like I need this business, I need this customer, I need this client. Mm-hmm. When you have that desperation within you, they feel it. They feel it. And, and they'll say like, yeah, I just don't feel right about it. I don't know why. I just don't feel right. It doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to do business with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I'm not going to buy your product. Yes, yes. And it's, it has nothing to do with what's wrong with the product or the business, right? It's all about the energy you're sending off. How are you able to, you know, um, you know, need money, but not send out that vibe or send out that energy that you are desperate to make money? You can do a few things. Um, it depends on your current circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a business as a side hustle, you know, I recommend don't quit your job. Mm-hmm. Like keep it as a side hustle. And I get it because when I was a financial advisor, it was a side hustle for a time until I went full time into it. And this is in I remember I went full-time in 2004. It was right after my first child was born, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was so excited. I'm like, I'm living the dream. Yes, I'm free from my job. Mm-hmm. And then the pressure, the scarcity crept in. Mm-hmm. And I, could, I all of a sudden, I couldn't make money because I was, I was, all the pressure was on me. I was like, I, gotta, I have to pay my mortgage now. Mm-hmm. I don't have a job to fall on. I have to make money. It's all on me. I can't just punch it. It's not about punching a clock. It's not time for money. Mm-hmm. It's trying to get more clients, right? Yes, yes. And so I froze up and, uh, and that desperation was bad. Um, what I learned eventually, right, is if you're in that place, one is don't quit your job. If you've got a day job and this is a side hustle, mm-hmm. keep it going. Because during those times when I was learning to do it, mm-hmm. um, I actually made more money. And in fact, I even what, I tracked all my numbers. My business made more money when I had a job mm-hmm. with less time in my business than when I had full-time in my business, but I didn't have that side job wow. because when that pressure, that sca- when that scarcity creeps in, mm-hmm. you just become counterproductive. You get kind of dumb, you know, <laughs> you get stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so if you have a job or you have the opportunity to do, you know, have a job or some stable income, mm-hmm. do it. Now, if you're like me, eventually where you pretty much become unemployable because you were a business owner for too long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I couldn't even get a job as a paper route during the last recession. Like that's, that's how sad it was. Like they wouldn't even contact me back mm-hmm. for the paper route. I applied for it, you know, at 4 a.m. that I could try to do before I went to my work, right? Mm-hmm. Just to try to make some steady income. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that place, you have to realize that you have to stay present in the very second, in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Because most of those fears you create in your mind they're created from your imagination, right? They're created of what's that possible future, that possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a positive outlook, if you're like, I can see it, it's awesome, it's great. Well, then, you know, when your mind goes there, you know, you, you can stay in a pretty positive mood. Mm-hmm. But if all of a sudden you're in panic and worry and doubt mm-hmm. and you think, what if, what if I can't make this work? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Those are all future scenarios that aren't reality right now. Mm-hmm. They're just pl- scenarios playing out in your mind but your mind will make them reality, right? Just a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the best thing to do is stay in the present moment. So the first thing I would do when I woke up is I would do, you know, kind of like what Tony Robbins would call the hour of power, Mm -hmm. right? 
I would focus on mind, body, spirit. I would focus on those three things, right? Mm-hmm. So I would focus on first thing in the morning, you know, getting out and running or working out, you know, weightlifting or whatever it might be, something to get my blood pumping. It could just be a nice brisk walk in the morning, mm-hmm. something just to get your, your body and your, your body moving. Mm-hmm. Now, while I do those exercises or at the end of those exercises, I would do like a prayer of gratitude. So I'd pray and just essentially count my blessings, like all the things that are good going on in my life, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes I do meditation too. I even do like breathing exercises. There's, there's a lot of times where I'd have to breathe, you know, breathe and just be like, okay, calm down. You're about to go into the work day. You know, it's okay. In this moment, Mm -hmm. things are perfect. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing is that I realized in that very second, even while I'm running, you know, I'm out there working out, I'm not spending any money. I didn't have to have money Mm -hmm. to go, you know, educate myself, you know, like read good books or listen to good podcasts. I mean, it's easier now than it was back then when I was struggling, you know, now we have YouTube, we've got everything. We have so much free information. You can be, you can learn on $0 out of pocket. (laughs) You can exercise on $0 out of pocket. You can pray, you can meditate, you can read scriptures, you know, or things like that. Like Mm -hmm. you can do all kinds of things for essentially no money out of pocket. And I realized that in those moments that right then I don't need money, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not broke. You know, I wasn't broken those moments. Mm-hmm. Now, if I start thinking about the bills I had to pay, you know, even if that bill was overdue, still in that moment, I wasn't going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was still going to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was hope. And so I focused on that. It's like, you know, right now I have all of my needs met. I have everything I need. Even if I didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from, even if I didn't know how I was even going to feed my family. And by the way, there was moments where I was on welfare, you know, like I had to go on welfare and, and, you know, and, and be the, the guy that's supposed to be teach people how to get out of the rat race, right? And teach people how to be financially free. Mm-hmm. And I'm on welfare at, at certain moments there, you know? Yes, yes. I mean, that stuff is, is, was, I mean, you can imagine that's mentally debilitating because, you know, it's even worse when you're the guy who's supposed to be teaching it. You know, it's another thing when you're, it's not part of your, your profession, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I knew that was something that was temporary, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's the thing I had to keep telling myself is temporary um, that in this moment, I'm not broke. Mm-hmm. Another thing I thought about was, that there are no accidents. Everything happens for a reason, right? Yes. And and that was big for me because I had to realize, I, I remember thinking back then, I remember you know, while I was out on some of those runs, do my little power hour, right? You know, I remember thinking, you know, um, I don't know why I'm going through this, but if only one person gets helped from my experience, if one person gets hope, mm-hmm. would that be worth it? And I was like, yeah, that would be worth it. If I could just give one person hope. I didn't know how big that would be. I mean, even though I don't just teach people like how to stay from being broke, right? I teach people now how to, you know, become financially free. But I mean, there's been hundreds of thousands of people that have heard this story that I hope have been inspired that maybe did something different, right? And that's, and that's really the thing that I think is amazing is that I knew that, you know, God was put, putting me in that circumstance. You know, even if I put myself there, he was taking advantage of it to where, I could use that to bless more lives, you know, and, and, uh, and that's where I knew that I was going to get out of it. I didn't know how, but I knew I would, even when I had collection calls coming. Cause of course, when you're in debt so much, you're not paying any bills, right? You're, in, you're upside down. You can't pay a lot of the bills. Um, I even lost my home. You know, I had a nice home and everything. It was like my dream home. I lost that in a foreclosure in 2009, right? Because, uh, the, the bank was through Lehman Brothers. They wouldn't accept any short sale offers. So they eventually, somebody bought it at the courthouse for less than half the price of what it was worth. So they bought it. I wish I would have bought it at the price they bought it at because it was amazing. And uh, 
And so like he, he knocked on my door, says, Hey, I just bought your house in cash. When can you get out? And we were just about to have our fourth child. Like we were just a week away. So I paid him $2,000 to stay in the house. I, I got every dollar I had just to pay him to keep him at bay while we try to find a new place. And, uh, and that was, and, and have a baby, <laughs> you know, yes, yes. it was stressful, but, but again, I kept hanging on to, okay, there's a reason I'm going through this. There's hope. Like there's going to, it's not going to be this bad. It's going to get better and hold on to that hope. Even though it, it was that period of time and that recession time is about a year and a half for me that, and almost really almost two years, mm -hmm. but you know, from the time I started stressing to the time where I started to say, now I'm finally seeing the, the fruit of my patience, mm -hmm. right? It was about two years. Two years. Now, now I'll tell you, I didn't have to take that long, but that's what it was for me. Um, cause I went through a little mini experience like that when I went through a divorce back in 2015, you know, when I went through that, that was that emotionally, that was a harder time than being over a million dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, your, your whole life is being rocked. Yes. But remember, I, I, I knew that things that I learned, I had, I already overcame before. So that faith was there, mm -hmm. but I learned one thing from a lot the first time. And this is key What did you learn? because when you're suffering in scarcity, mm -hmm. it's so tempting to just, you know, just, um, you know, kind of clam up, right. Just kind of go inward. You, you want to suffer silently. You know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to bring other people into your problems. You don't want to feel like you're a downer, right. You don't want to feel like you're somebody who's, you know, just oozing scarcity all over people. Mm -hmm. And so I would just, you know, hold it to myself. I would just suffer silently. I wouldn't, I, there's people that worked in my company that didn't even know all the struggles I was going through. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember one guy, when I finally told him what happened, he started crying. He's like, I can't believe you're going through this right now. Mm -hmm. And he was going through his own mess, but you know, I just was quiet about it. I didn't reach out for help. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the best thing I learned is to reach out to people. Oh, like please. it doesn't mean you ask for handouts and ask for money. I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. but reach out and just tell them like, Hey, this is what I'm going through right now. Mm -hmm. Like there's something so nice when especially when you have that core center of influence of friends yeah. that are just they can be there they can be your strong support mm -hmm. it, it's amazing now you don't want the friends that are going to be the ones say well just give up you know you don't want those friends mm -hmm. right you want the ones that say man i know it's tough mm -hmm. it sucks you, you're going to figure it out yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> you right. know and hey you know can i create value is there a way i can create value for you mm -hmm. right like in and that's the thing i learned too is that it was it was not just reaching out to people but it's also constantly stop worrying about yourself and focus on the one key principle that got me out of the rat race the first time mm -hmm. and the second time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a strategy. It was a mindset. And the mindset was, how can I create more value for more people? And I think um, I've, been, I've, I've been just been blown away from your story, your, your success story, um, just for like you, you know, losing everything, being in, um, like over a million um, dollars in debt and, you know, finding your way back, going through divorce and um, losing your house at, at a point. That, yeah. that really yes and now you are you're you're back as you're financially independent once again making yeah. success with your business and earlier you you mentioned of you know um you go through everything in life for a reason and yes and i believe as you said also that your reason for going through everything you've gone through is to help other people on their own journey in life and i, I believe that's also why you have this um your company called money ripples where you you know expose the popular means around money if, if I'm right, and I, I'm, I've, I've been amazed by your, you know, content on on YouTube and also your podcast, um, the, um, the Money Report Show, where you have over 400 episodes talking about different aspects of, you know, making, you know, passive source of income for yourself. So, yeah. can, can you tell us about this? Your company, the Money Report, 
and about your podcast and your um your youtube channel yeah so yeah my youtube channel and my podcast are kind of tied together right hmm. um you know i have the money ripples with chris miles channel and and i even have chris miles money ripples too but that's usually i have different topics on that one but um yeah my podcast really is focused around getting people out of the rat race which is what money ripples is about it's mm-hmm. it's really teaching people how to get out of the rat race mm-hmm. you know like it's it's saying hey i've i've got i've got money i've got potential i've got stuff here but my money's not working for me you know i'm working for money but my money's not working for me where i'm getting where the money's starting to pay me back right because i'll run into people all the time that sometimes are worth millions of dollars mm-hmm. but they're asset rich and cash poor like they've got assets, they've got savings, they've got, you know, and their investments they've done, but it's not paying them any income. Mm-hmm. So they feel stuck. They feel trapped, right? They don't feel like they don't feel like they could ever stop working because the money's not really working for them. It's just they're hoping it grows, but most of the time they're gambling in the stock markets, which is a not a great place to keep your money. It's it's not a place to ever get freedom because you can never have freedom where there's uncertainty, right? You need predictable, stable cash flow coming in each and every month on a regular basis that you can count on, right? That's what you need. And that can be from your investments, that can be from your business as well. Like it can come from those different places, but it's gotta be a place where you don't have to keep struggling and working and pumping out, you know, pumping out all those, that energy and hours, you know, for hopes of a dollar, right? Yes. It's gotta be something more. And so mm-hmm. that's usually what I teach now. I do part-time consulting where people come to me and say, Chris, here's my financial situation. How do I get it to start paying me? So I can hit my goal of, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 30,000 a month, whatever it is, right. That they want mm. passively coming in. Yes. So then they can say, now I can choose to do whatever I want, you know, and, and that's uh, the kind of thing we create a game plan to get you there. You know, mm. um, I even teach people about, you know, things with like using a specific strategy about how to get your money to pay you twice, you know, like mm. your investment money or your business money, they get it paying you twice where it's earning money over here and it's earning money in the investment or your business over here too. So you're getting paid two times. Can you, teach me, can you teach me about that a little bit? That sounds very interesting. How can I make my money pay me twice? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like um, I actually use a, a, I mean, the vehicle I use, like the, the, the tool I use, right, is just actually a life insurance policy. It's a whole life insurance policy, which is ironic considering that those first four years as a financial advisor, I told people never, ever, ever buy a whole life policy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I learned in the mid-2000s from guys that were in real estate and doing stuff is that they were using these policies to make more money. I was like, why are these brilliant guys making money in real estate use these policies, right? Well, I found out that, of course, that, you know, I knew you could build cash inside of them, right? So whole life insurance is different than term insurance. Term insurance is just death insurance, right? It only pays out when you die. You pay a premium, it pays out. It's like car insurance, right? Mm -hmm. But whole life is different because you you get that death benefit, but you also have this living benefit of cash that grows in there tax-free, especially in the United States. Uh, Other countries like... Like I know Australia, it's not as good there. Canada has some, you know, okay things with it as well. They have some options as well. But uh, for the most part, um, you know, U.S. has got like kind of the better options with that. So here in the U.S. especially, we can let it grow tax-free, come out tax-free. Um, but here's the cool thing is that the money that's sitting in there in the cash, even though it's getting a guaranteed return of at least 4% or so, right? Yes. Um, what's awesome is that you can actually borrow from the insurance company or from a bank. There's private banks that'll even lend you money based on that money sitting there because they know that money's in there guaranteed it's always gonna grow. They'll give you a loan sometimes up to 95, sometimes even up to 100% of the money sitting in there. So when they give you a loan, they give you a loan, say it like, you know, I have a bank to just approve me to get a loan at 3.25%. Oh, 
Well, if my money is earning inside of there at 5.75%, like it is right now, right? Well, here's the cool thing is that although I, I take the money out 3.25, I'm, I'm borrowing from the, the bank or the insurance company, right? They're paying me out of their pocket. My money's still all in there growing and compounding tax-free. So it's making compounded 5.75 or whatever interest that's earning, right? Depending on the company, while I'm only paying 3.25. And if I use that and buy a real estate property with that or something else, even if I make 10 to 12% on my real estate property, that's adding, you know, when you start factoring the compound and, and the interest that you're paying on loan and stuff, the compound interest goes like this, while the interest on loan goes like this, mm -hmm. I make another three, four, 5% a year on my money on top of like the 10 or 12% I'm making on my real estate. Yes. So I'm, I'm essentially using the same money to make me money twice. Right. It's really, really a fun strategy. Wow. Ah. And, and other, you know, passive source of income that you actually, um, and you're an expert in is, um, you know, real estate also. Yeah. So can, can you tell me about how can I make passive income from, from real estate? What am I supposed to do with real estate to ensure that I make, you know, passive income from it? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lots of ways to do it in the real estate game. Like most people think you just have to buy a property and then rent it out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a great strategy. I, I do that as well. Um, but I don't manage my properties. So when I buy a property and I buy a property, not near me, I buy it all the way across the, on the other side of the country. So most of my properties are over 2000 miles away from me. I've never even seen them with my own eyes. <laughs> wow. I know they're there. Yeah, I know yeah. they exist photos and video proof and everything that they exist. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's renters in them, yes, yes. Uh, but I don't even know the renters names really. Like wow. they just tell me, Hey, we got a renter for you, mm -hmm. we, you know, but they screen the renters, they deal with any issues. Right. Mm -hmm. um, if there's anything that has to come out of pocket, like there's repairs, great. They help with those repairs. But when I buy a property, they're already rent ready. So it's already repaired. It's ready to go. So I can start making money right from day one. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I just, you know, closed on a couple of properties in Alabama it's cost me about $80,000 out of pocket, mm -hmm. but I'm cash flowing roughly about $900 a month from that. So I'm making like a 13, 14% rate of return on my money, right? That's creating income for me. Yes. So think, I mean, think about that. Most people, like if they, if they happen to be lucky enough to save a million dollars in the stock market mm -hmm. with, if you go on the basic traditional financial advice, you can only, you should only pull out maybe two or 3% a year. So let's say we take that 3%. That means you're only living on $30,000 a year from a million dollars. You're, you're like a broke millionaire, wow. right? Yes. <laughs> but I can take a million dollars and make at least $100,000 to $120,000 a year just buying real estate, you know, and, and, and I don't have to manage it. Like I can, I just have to buy it. I let them deal with all the headaches, right? Mm -hmm. I let the property managers do all the work for me. That's the money I get after I pay them, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a different level of saying, do I want 30,000 a year or do I want a hundred thousand or more a year? Which one's better? You know, it's not hard. And, and not to mention there's usually in the U S especially there's not as much taxes. In fact, you might not pay any taxes on that money, mm -hmm. which is amazing. So that's one way. Now you don't have to go buy properties. There's, there's even different people that say, Hey, let's pull our money together and buy an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. You can pull your money together there. You don't do anything with the, you just throw money at it basically, right? You pull the money in, but they pay you a return off of it. There's different funds. Like I know there's funds I've advertised on my radio show that pay like 10 or 11% a year, you know, and they pay you monthly. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like steady income. So if you put in, you know, even just 12,000 bucks, you know, you're making at least a hundred bucks a month, you know? So there's all kinds of ways to do it. That's so much better than what the stock market has to offer. And, and people just don't realize that because 
there, there's not a people really being paid out there like the financial advising world where there's billions and billions of dollars being put thrust at you in marketing and advertising mm-hmm. to tell you to buy stocks or buy mutual funds, yes. which by the way, are high risk and mediocre returns mm-hmm. where I can do things with real estate where it's lower risk, mm-hmm. higher returns, mm-hmm. right? I can get, I get safer and I make more predictable cash flow and money. And when I realized that after, you know, in 2006, after I was about to leave being a financial advisor, mm-hmm. it blew up my mind. I, I blew my, it, it, I never realized it was so easy to become financially free. It doesn't mean it's overnight. It's not get rich quick, right? Mm-hmm. But it was so much of a quicker path than what I was telling people, which especially when I was trying to run real numbers, it was depressing. It was like, okay, people, you're going to save all this money and you're going to live on less than what you did while you're working. You're going to live on a very tight budget, you know, and then you'll be free. That's not the case here. You can actually have as much freedom as you want, depending on your situation. Yes. Well, how do you prepare yourself, you know, um, mentally or personally for this kind of, you know, business or this kind of, you know, passive source of income adventure? Like, what am I meant to do to myself or what is the listener out there supposed to do? Am I supposed to read some books? Am I supposed to, what am I supposed to pay notes to um, personally in order to be strong enough to, um, get into the real estate business. Yeah. I mean, the first, th- first thing is you do have to kind of educate yourself a little bit because mm-hmm. the biggest, the biggest objection for people or the biggest challenge for people is just like I said to my friend, right? That sounds too good to be true. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have to get over that because it's happening all the time. I mean, and look, and I, again, I like evidence, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the richest people in the world. They're business owners, right? They're, they own big corporations. Yes. They're investors, but now they're, they're not investing in the stock market. There are so few people that actually, buy comp like like well warren buffett is a good example he doesn't invest in the stock market he buys companies right he's a business owner that buys interest in companies he's not an he's not the traditional mutual fund investor he doesn't believe in that stuff so you don't find people in the stock markets in the top in the fortune 500 the richest people in the world lists right but you do find real estate developers and investors you do find business owners that's been proven and there's millions of people that have done it before, before you even maybe thought it was possible, right? So if, if so many people have done it, and then so few people have done it in the stock market, yeah. why do we keep going to that stuff? You know, which is just because every other broke person does it too. Mm-hmm. Um, a great book to read is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? A great book mm-hmm. to kind of break into that. Another great book is by one of my former partners, Garrett Gunderson, you know, Killing Sacred Cows mm-hmm. is another good financial book to, to read. That one doesn't go so much into the investing world, but it more... It opens your mind about other financial things, more basic financial things, right? Yes. Uh, but I'll tell you, Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great one to start with. Uh, the only problem is most of those guys are the gurus don't have the way to actually create the answer. They don't have the answer to help you actually do it. Mm-hmm. So once you've started to study it and believe it, that's why I have my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show, to teach that kind of stuff, right? Yes. Um, and even then, it's like, okay, well, how do I apply it? Well, that's where you might need some additional guidance or help to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you also have some products. I was checking on your website on moneyreports.com. I found like um, some products, some, some books and CDs that one can also use, right? I, I, I don't yeah. feel helpful for, for this. Yeah, that's great. Especially if you're like, okay, Chris, I don't have like a hundred grand lying around, right? I don't have a hundred thousand dollars or more lying around. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm either I'm starting a new business or I'm in business. I'm trying to get cash flow up or I'm trying to find money. Yes. Great, great resources there for helping you find cash. In fact, uh, some of those those books and those audios there, mm-hmm. those were the main key things that I learned financially that got me out of the rat race again, right? That, you know, that helped me find more money. And even my average client found $34,000 a year 
take, applying those same things too. So it wasn't just me. I mean, obviously I'm my own best testimonial for myself, but there's been hundreds of other people that took those commonly common strategies that allowed them to find more cash so they could have more money mm-hmm. and then accelerate and start, you know, building their wealth faster. Yes. So uh, is there something else I'm supposed to like pay notes to like, for example, I understood that you, you lost properties by going too big from, from um, preparing for this conversation. Is there other things like that that I'm supposed to pay notes to? How did you lost, you know, properties by going too big? Are there other, um, you know, errors that, you know, you have experienced that one out, someone out there or myself should advo- um, avoid? Yeah. Yeah, the, bi- the big one that uh, was for me is, you know, like I said, I was 28 and just kind of overconfident. I thought that just because I got out of the rat race so quickly that, you know, everything I touched would turn to gold, mm-hmm. right? So um, the, the big thing is pride. Don't ever get prideful. Don't ever think that you could not lose, right? That's a big one. The other thing is that I fixed this time around that I didn't do the first time is, you know, I started right. I started by focusing on cash flow, right? How do I get residual or passive streams of income coming in? Mm-hmm. So the first part I did was right. But after I got there, I thought, well, wait, how can I make this bigger? How can I do it faster, yeah, right? Yes. So I got impatient, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, for example, when I bought a real estate property before the last recession, when I would buy it, I would focus not on creating cash flow. Mm-hmm. I would focus on how can I make as much money based on appreciation on the market growing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, I would think, well, if I buy a $100,000 home and the market appreciates 10%, yes. I make 10,000. Mm-hmm. But if I buy a $500,000 home and it makes 10%, I make 50,000. Yes. So, Hey, I'm going to mortgage as much as I can. I'm going to buy that property. And I hope that it goes up mm. now. It doesn't pay me anything or it pays me very little that my mortgage payment is still higher than the rent I'm getting. So it's mm. not making any money. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the big mistake I did is that I was, I was, I was almost finance, essentially financing it. I, I love mortgages, by the way, I love using them, but the rent, the money that's coming in, the, the revenue that coming in from those, those real estate properties, yes. it has to be higher than whatever it costs you, mm-hmm. right? Just like in business, you need profit. You wouldn't go into business and say, yeah, it was su- it's such a great year. I lost $25,000. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't say that in business, yeah, right? No, no. If you look at real estate the same way, which is I want profit, I want as much cash flow as I possibly can get out of this thing, mm-hmm. um, which is what I do now, right? Uh, even if it's 300 bucks a month for a property mm-hmm. that now that doesn't sound amazing, right? That doesn't sound as cool as $50,000. No, no. Um, but I tell people all the time, boring is sexy, right? Mm-hmm. I love the things that are just consistent. And it keeps paying me all the time. That is way sexier than me just trying to gamble my way to wealth. And that's what I did wrong in the last recession. Ooh, but some people say, Oh, it's, it's good to take risk. It's good to, you know, put it all in, go out or go home or something like that. What what do you think about that? Uh, No way. No, (laughs) high risk does not create high returns. That's a myth out there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They teach you that in the financial advising world is, hey, well, high risk creates high returns. Mm -hmm. Well, when I started to realize that wasn't true is, wait, well, the definition of risk is chance of loss, right? What's your odds of losing? Mm -hmm. Well, if my chance of losing is 90%, that does not mean I have a 90% chance of winning, right? That the math doesn't add up. You only have 100%. So if you have a 90% chance of losing, you only have a 10% chance of winning. Yes, yes. So real investors, just like the Buffets of the world, right? Just like those that are actually doing this and creating wealth, they don't want high risk. They know that that's a, that's a farce. That's something that the financial companies teach you to do. So you take all the risk while they take none of it. They want you gambling in the markets while they take their guaranteed fees from you 
every single year, right? Yes. That's how they work. So that's why they, that's where that myth came from. Mm-hmm. You, so when you take risks, you take calculated risks, risks that you can minimize the, the risk as low as you possibly can yeah. so that you can get almost a guaranteed success, right? Nothing's guaranteed hundred mm-hmm. percent, but if you can mitigate that risk so low that you're like, nope, I can make sure that even if these bad things happen, I can still turn this around. I can still make this work. Yes. Yes. That is how you create real wealth. And that's how you create really freedom, financial freedom. You can, you can become financially independent and be financially, financially in bondage, mm-hmm. right? Yes. yes. Financial freedom is up here mm-hmm. and, and here in your heart too, right? Yes. It's something where you just have that confidence and you feel safe. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to do it gambling, you're going to have this thing in the back of your head saying, yeah, but what if it doesn't work out? Oh, better hope for that best case scenario. Cause if it does, I'm okay. But if it doesn't, I'm broke, right? Mm-hmm. You're not financially free, no matter how much you make until you know, with certainty, you're like, nope, I've got my risk as low as possible and I can maximize my gains as a result. Yes. I, but I think I still want to tap from, from that question or from that answer you said already, because from your experience, from, you know, being financially independent, getting into debt and coming back, what, what advice will you give me and what advice will you give the listeners out there to ensure that we are financially independent all the time or we, get, we gain that financial freedom? Yes. Yeah. Listen to those that have been there, mm-hmm. done that, and then most importantly, still doing it today, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's one thing when someone says, hey, I became financially free in 1993, mm-hmm. right? But maybe they aren't today. You don't want to listen to that advice. That's mm-hmm. advice that didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, uh, you know, people that said like, yeah, I made lots of money in, in the dot-com bust, you know, before the dot-com bust, you know, but then I went broke. You don't want those people. You want people that are actually financially free. Um, that's why if you listen to advisors, people that are financial advisors, mm-hmm. ask them flat out to say, hey, are you financially free off the, your own investments? Could you stop your business right now and live off your investments? Mm-hmm. And if that's not the case, right, if, you can't, if they can't live off what they preach, you don't want to follow that advice either. It's the blind leading the blind. So mm-hmm. find those people that are actually doing it now, doing it today, and have done it before, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and those are the people you want to listen to. Follow them, follow their advice, get their voices in your head. Mm-hmm. And then try to apply what they teach. Yes. And I think you're, you're one of those people, right? So how can we get across to you? How can we, you know, get connected to you to get, get, um, get more wisdom or get, get more advice from you, for example? Yeah. Well, you already mentioned, it. I mean, moneyripples.com is my website. Yes, you can yes. always go there. There's, we even post some of our podcast videos on there too, on the blog page. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even, again, follow my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show. You know, it's on iTunes or any other podcast app that you listen to. Yes, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I will encourage everyone who is listening to check out all the, um, all, everything about Chris from his website. I'll, be, I'll place everything in the show notes for this episode. Then um, you could just get across to him, watch his YouTube um, videos, or listen to the podcast at your leisure time. They are filled with a lot of, you know, um, information and a lot of things that ensures one to get or gain financial freedom. So um, is there something else we've not talked about that you would love to, you know, still talk about before um, we end this episode? Uh, I mean, there's so many things that I teach, but I'll, I'll end with this message, right? Mm-hmm. Is most of the, some of the best advice I've ever taken is not popular. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not the advice you hear commonly. Yes, yes. Um, I like to be against the grain, you know, even like in business, I learned that the hu- whole hustle mentality, mm-hmm. you know, they say you got to get there and hustle work mm-hmm. 120 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I can promise you that I, I make way, I made way more money when I went down to five to 10 hours a week, mm-hmm. focusing on what was the most productive mm-hmm. than I did working 50 or 60 hours a week, right? Mm-hmm. Working 
you know, five, 10 times more, I made more money and I had more profit by working less. Right. Yes, yes. So I actually believe things like, you know, get a hustle. I believe that's a myth. You know, I do believe you need to work you still have to create value for people. That's a key, right. Yes, yes. But you can do productive, smart work where you don't have to be working overtime hours. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a big key. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, a great book to help me see that was a book by Mike Michalowicz. Uh, that book is called the pumpkin plan made it totally changed my perspective on my business. I, uh, I, I seriously cut my hours down by like three, four times, but my profits went up like five times. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it freed me up completely. So, mm -hmm. so that kind of stuff is a big key, but again, I'll just tell you like, don't always follow them. Don't follow the masses, mm -hmm. right? Don't follow the mass of people because the masses of people are unsuccessful. They're broke. They're not free. Mm -hmm. They're still struggling and surviving. Don't follow what most people say, do the opposite. Cause in many cases, the opposite is actually the right answer. Mm -hmm. So do that and just know that there's hope no matter how far gone you think you are. I mean, Hey, I can guarantee in your story, you probably weren't any worse off financially than I've ever been. Right. Mm -hmm. So think of that as, as a good place to start from. That's a better launching pad than where I was. Mm -hmm. If I can make it, there's no, there's no doubt that you can do it as well. Wow. That's awesome. That's a wonderful closing word. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time. I really appreciate everything I've been to learn from you. I've been to learn about financial freedom, having real estate as a passive source of income. And also, most importantly, what I'm going to also work on is having this power hour every morning where you either work, you work out, or you, uh, you know, and you also have this prayer of gratitude and you prepare for your, you prepare yourself for the day. All of these things, you know, contributes to one's development and also um, on one's way to financial freedom. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Really appreciate being here. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.